It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. After a dramatic final day of the regular season, the Big Ten moves on to the conference tournament in Omaha. It can't possibly hope to be as exciting, or maybe it can be. We'll certainly find out. Kyle Charters, Drew Charters in a remote location, undisclosed. Are you disclosing? Are you just hanging out somewhere? You're over the phone today. First ever remote I don't know what do you even call it. Remote half broadcast of our podcast. Yeah, I'll tell you this. My recommendation for vacation at this time was Omaha. I got voted down, so I'm not in <laughs> Omaha. Yeah, unfortunately, that would have been nice. Uh, on vacation with the family here. All right, so uh, big show for us. Uh, wrapping up what 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 was a just a, a great weekend for baseball in the Big Ten. We had, you know, basically a, a de facto championship game down in Bloomington. We had questions about what happens in a four-way tie on Saturday, who's in, who's out. We had a game delayed by weather where, you know, if they come back and, and the, the, the team Northwestern wins, it gets in. I mean, it was a great day. We'll also, on the podcast today, talk to Matt Lloyd, the IU senior uh, both a, a utility player, like the ultimate utility player, because he pitches as yeah. well. Uh, we'll talk to him coming up on the program as well. But, Drew, let's hit our biggest stories of the day. These ones were easy to figure out. Indiana wins the title. The Hoosiers started the second-to-last weekend of the Big Ten, two-and-a-half games back with six to go. They finish with a 5-1 and one record in those games, doing what they had to do against Michigan up in Ann Arbor and then taking care of Rutgers, uh, winning that finale uh, fairly easily, coming back to, to get that win, I think, uh, by, by, what, 10 runs, so made it sort of a runaway there late. But the Hoosiers get the Big Ten crown. Yeah, uh, quite an accomplishment for the last two weekends for IU, winning five of six down the stretch here. You know, when they were down those two and a half games with six remaining to Michigan, you thought that it, it might have been over and Michigan was going to run away with it. And then IU came storming back. In that game three that they needed to win against Rutgers, they were held hitless until the fourth inning. And then the floodgates just absolutely opened. They were scoring 13 runs against the Scarlet Knights to earn that Big Ten championship. Their third Big Ten title in the last seven years, and their seventh overall. Yeah, they win it with a first-year coach in Jeff Mercer. That has been done before, Drew. It's been a bit, but a guy that we know in John Anderson. It is John Anderson, yeah. 1982, <laughs> won the Big Ten in his first year coaching. Hasn't been done since. Congratulations to Jeff Mercer on becoming the second. All right. Uh, so while Indiana was winning the title, it took a little bit of a fade by the Wolverines for that to happen. And Michigan had a lot of opportunities to wrap this thing up or at least give itself a pretty good edge going into that final weekend. But it loses couple of games to Indiana at home, then has a difficult road trip over to Nebraska. Now, that was an interesting series because they played two on Friday. The Wolverines were able to salvage the late game with the weather coming in the next day. But, you know, Michigan continues to be a, a weird team. They've got a lot of wins, but they struggle against some better competition. We saw that against IU and Nebraska in the last couple of weekends. And that pitching staff just hasn't been what it was at the beginning of the season with Henry Kaufman 
Chris now Chriswell has played very well. He's five and zero in the Big Ten, six and one overall as their Sunday starter. Uh, but you saw a little bit of drop off in the pitching staff for Michigan. That could be one of the reasons uh, why they didn't finish strong. Uh, winners of just two of their last six in the Big Ten. Now they did win game number three against Nebraska uh, after just scoring two runs in the first two games, the first 18 innings, just two runs. Uh, they came back and scored 10 on three home runs uh, and at least gave them a shot to still win the Big Ten championship because if IU lost that game three to Rutgers, Michigan was your champ. Yeah. So they gave themselves an opportunity with that game three victory. But uh, Michigan now finds themselves overall, if you're looking at big picture NCAA, their struggle down the stretch here, I think, has now put them on the bubble for even yeah. that. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's interesting, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in the lineup after our interview with Matt Lloyd. Just you know, what teams we feel like are in at this moment, and what teams are not. And you could put Michigan with another Big Ten team into that category, one that has faded a little bit down the stretch. We'll get to that a little bit later, but. While all that drama was going on at the top of the Big Ten, there was some drama in the bottom half as well, as both Maryland and Ohio State rally their way into the Big Ten tournament. Both those squads had some really good weekends to get to the magic number of 12 victories and earn themselves a spot in the Big Ten tournament. And I'll tell you this too, Drew. Those are two teams that could make some noise this week in Omaha I think as well, especially playing as well as they did over the weekend. Yeah, and we'll talk about that. I'm, I'm a big fan of Ohio State in particular, and we'll get into that in the lineup a little bit. But but Maryland sweeps Iowa. So Maryland sitting ninth in the Big Ten before this weekend. They had just won one of their last six games of the Big Ten, and they sweep Iowa to get in the tournament. So a team that hadn't been playing very well really yeah. needed three victories. Uh, and they played well, played well, and got them against the Hawkeyes. And then Ohio State, uh, you know, similar situation. They were ninth in the Big Ten prior to the weekend. Uh, they needed to sweep Purdue, um, and uh, they even needed a little bit of help after that. Uh, and they played very well. It was a, it was a crazy series. Uh, Ohio State hit ten home runs at Alexander Field, which is which is you know just remarkable. You don't you don't see teams come into Alexander Field. West Lafayette and, and hit that many home runs on the weekend, but Ohio State did it, and they're a team that, that we'll talk about, but they've got really good young pitching, and they've got an offense that can be explosive and could be dangerous. And some crazy scenarios on Saturday, including the possibility, it almost came to fruition of the the four-way tie for sixth, yeah. which would have left a team out, and Ohio State didn't even know what the tiebreaker was until about an hour before that game on Saturday yeah. got underway, and it would have been RPI, which I find a little bit crazy. I mean, there's so many questions there, like RPI win, like <laughs> RPI at right. the end of Saturday, RPI as soon as the game was over, RPI uh, on Sunday evening, RPI when the first game gets underway in Omaha. And, on, I mean, that was a little bit weird to me. I, I thought maybe there was a better way to decide that. It didn't end up happening because Ohio State won the game, then had in a what a game that was too against Purdue. Yeah. Uh, getting off to an 8 nothing and feeling like you could just cruise and then uh, the Boilermakers storming back to tie it. But Ohio State having to wait around to see if, you know, the delayed game against Northwestern and the intrigue there because Northwestern doesn't have lights and would the game even get played? Uh, I mean, there was all sorts of that stuff. So 
The game does finish up. Northwestern loses and uh, prevents the four-way tie, but puts Ohio State into the field. So it was quite a day uh, on Saturday, both down in Bloomington and then uh, at several other places throughout the Big Ten. All right, uh, let's get to our awards. Final week for our weekly awards. Uh, let's start with Big Arm. Drew, uh, there were some pretty good performances this weekend. We don't talk about relievers all that much, but Garrett Acton for Illinois picked up a couple of saves in two innings of work over the weekend. He faced just six batters in those two saves. I think one of them 17 pitches, the other one just six. And uh, yeah. so Illinois gets a couple of wins against Michigan State over the weekend. Uh, who else you got there that should be a nominee for Big Arm? I've got Tanner Gordon from the three pitchers from IU. Uh, against Rutgers, went seven innings, just gave up three hits, uh, a couple of runs, struck out six, didn't walk anybody. Uh, Nate Fisher for Nebraska got a good victory uh, against Michigan. Uh, the two Ohio State pitchers, the Friday, uh, I guess normally Friday it was Thursday, Thursday and Friday this week, but Garrett Burhan and Seth Lonsway. Burhan goes eight innings, six hits, six strikeouts. Um, Lonsway goes eight innings. Uh, a couple of hits, a run, but it was unearned. He struck out 14 in that game against Purdue. He was pulled. Uh, I thought that he would play into the ninth, but he was up to about 112 pitches. So they went ahead and, and took Lon's way out uh, after the 14 strikeouts. Hunter Parsons for Maryland uh, went eight innings. Uh, gave up a lot of hits, nine, uh, but got the victory against Iowa. And then, uh, again, for the third straight week, I believe, Mitchell Tyransky for Michigan State is in our nominee list with a complete game, eight-hitter, uh, struck out seven, just gave up a couple of runs to uh, to a really good Illinois offense. Uh, we'll go back to Lonsway, though, and give our award second straight week. Lonsway has won the big arm award for us. For those 14 strikeouts, you can't go anywhere else but 14 strikeouts, right? Yeah, not 14 strikeouts with only two hits allowed. I know he allowed the unearned run, but, you know, who cares about that? 14 Ks and yeah. in, in, in eight innings of work uh, is pretty good, especially coming back from Garrett Burhan, who pitched the night before and had the shutout over eight innings, struck out six. I mean, you get those performances back-to-back, that's pretty good, no doubt about it. Ohio State had some pretty good bats over the weekend, too, as we turn our attention uh, that direction. I mean, Dominic Canzone, five runs, five RBI. Connor Pohl had a three-run, excuse me, a three-home run week. He was seven of 19, hit a couple of home runs in the same game, that Saturday game for Ohio State. Uh, Brady Cherry had a good week for the Buckeyes as well. So several of those guys uh, should at least be nominees. Who else do you have for Big Bat? Yeah, we'll just go through some names here because there's a bunch of guys. Uh, Maxwell Costas from Maryland hit a couple of home runs. Tanner Padgett uh, played well for Iowa. Uh, for Illinois, uh, Zach Taylor uh, hit a couple more home runs. Brandon Comia, who's in for uh, the injured out for the season, Troike, uh, played well, 5 for 15 with a home run on the weekend. Uh, Marty Bikina, uh for Michigan State uh, is on the list. Uh, for IU, you've got Dunham, Cole Barr, uh, Scotty Bradley uh, had a couple of home runs. Uh, Kevin Walsh for Rutgers had three home runs against that IU pitching staff. Uh, Michigan had a couple, and Jordan Brewer, you know, your normal names here, Jordan Brewer, yeah. uh, uh, Wogu uh, was in there with a couple of home runs. Um, Jordan Bowersox for Penn State, uh, Shea Sabranti uh, for Penn State. 
Uh, Mason Nadu for Penn State had six RBI in a home run on the week, uh, so a good week for him. Uh, but we will go back to Maryland uh, and give it to A.J. Lee for Big Bat this week. A.J. had 10 hits uh, on the weekend, eight runs scored, six RBIs, a couple of doubles, and three home runs yeah. for the Terrapins. Look, you listed off a bunch of guys that had pretty good weeks and weekends, but look, he was 10 of 14. He had three home runs. I mean, yeah, that's pretty good, A.J. Lee. And, you know, Maryland won three games against a quality opponent, too, to get itself into the Big Ten tournament. So A.J. Lee is our big bat for the week. All right, uh, we need to take a short break here. We will come back uh, and talk to Matt Lloyd, Indiana senior, about the Hoosiers rallying to get a Big Ten regular season title. He'll give us a preview of Omaha as well. That's coming up next on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 101.7 The Hammer. And welcome back to the Big Baseball Podcast. Kyle Charters here along with Matt Lloyd, a senior with the Indiana baseball team. I think utility guy, Matt, is that the – you you appreciate that title? Is that is that okay? I mean, not only you, you utility guy, but – I mean, utility guy, infielder, pitcher, closer, designated hitter. I mean, you could just name down the titles, right? Right, yeah. Just try to do it all for the team. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, hey, congratulations on the run that you guys made here at the end of the season. I mean, it was it was outstanding uh, to win five of your last six and sweep Rutgers like you did to get the title game. You know, watching from afar was an exciting run. What was it like to be – in the middle of all of that? Um, you know, we, we just really try to handle our business every single day. Uh, going into the Michigan series is like pretty much the first time that we kind of looked up and we were like, oh, we got a chance to win this if we just take care of our business. So, I mean, we just took it day by day, just trying to win every every single game. Um, and it's about the process more than, more than the result is what we always talk about here on the team. Um, Mercer always preaches it that, you know, it's it's about the way we play the game and the result will take care of itself. And if we play the game the right way, uh, we're going to be fine and, you know, like sleep, get a good sleep that night. Like, we won't just sleep over uh, uh, the result. So, yeah. just basically just trying to handle our business every single day. Going into that Michigan series, obviously the Wolverines, uh, a very good team. You probably knew – you know, sort of what you faced and, and what you were going to have to do that weekend to set yourself up for an opportunity then back at home the following weekend. So did that, I mean, were you guys aware of that? Or, or as you said, did you try to just take it, a, you know, a game at a time? Or did you have sort of a pretty good feel on, on what needed to be done? Yeah, there's probably half the team was, was aware of, you know, like that we had the chance to, to do what we did and, um, but for for the most part, I feel like uh, our guys are just really just uh, you know like engrossed in the moment and, and just trying to do our jobs, uh, taking it one pitch at a time, just yeah. competing to our to our fullest uh, every single pitch on both sides of the ball. Yeah. What was the celebration <laughs> like on Saturday afternoon? Oh, it was awesome! Uh, finally getting that dog pile after you know it's my third year here. Just uh, no sweeter feeling. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, it was quite a scene down there in Bloomington. I'm, I'm sure in front of a big crowd as well. 
Uh, yeah. and, a, and a good game, too, against a, a quality team in Rutgers. So, you know, when this year starts, you have a, a new coach who's bringing in a new philosophy. I mean, how much time did it take for you guys to sort of embrace uh, Jeff Mercer? And Because, it, you, I mean, you've got a veteran group. So, you know, you've got a veteran group that's used to doing things in a certain way. And, and even though, you know, you guys seem like a mature group of guys, it's got to be a little bit different when an, a, a new guy comes in with a new philosophy. So, how long did it take you guys to sort of, uh, you know, embrace what he was preaching? Um, <clears throat> I felt like in the fall we, we adapted pretty pretty quickly. And then when the season rolled around, um, there was still some adjustment period as far as, like, playing games and stuff. So I think that's what, what happened at the beginning of the season. We were um, – I think we were below 500 there at the beginning. And that was just an adjustment period of us figuring out uh, the new staff and – um, them figuring us out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think probably about the halfway mark of the season, we we saw like a, a switch get turned and um, just no looking back from there. And we're all, everybody on the team is just completely bought in and all in. Uh, and, yeah. What is it about what they did that took a little bit of time and then that you appreciate so much now? I think it's just more of a, a professional approach to uh, to the game, like um, really process oriented. Um, like when we do stuff wrong, it's more of a learning experience than you know, like a punishment type type deal. I, I feel like as as far as a you know an individual standpoint, and um, yeah, just I would say just fully process oriented. Because Mercer always talks about if we want to talk about the process, we have to be about the process. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he, he sticks by his word, and um, everybody on the team can appreciate that and um, makes us want to play for him uh, just that much harder. How much did the philosophy that he imposed on you guys as far as what you're doing at the plate and, you know, the, the production that you guys had there, how much did that influence your game? Um, it's like night and day, I would say. Just being able to, you know, stay on playing longer. Uh having an approach, trying to stick to the big part of the field, um, treating the offense as, like, as a whole unit instead of just a bunch of individual pieces. Yeah. And um, being able to produce runs w- with the long ball and without the long ball, obviously. Because right. uh, sometimes the wind's blowing in and we got to just uh, hit, hit high line drives and, and find ways to score. Right, right. So you guys enter the next phase of the season – to the Big Ten tournament in Omaha with the 17 and seven conference record, 36 and 19 overall. You feel pretty good about sort of where you guys stand, how you're playing right now, um, you know what the future holds, and, and just a matter of you know keeping that up here and what will be you know a very busy, a very competitive, I would imagine, series in Omaha. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like all of our guys are just focused on, you know, coming to work every single day. And that's what we've bought into. And um, I think that for the rest of the season, we're, we're going to continue to do that. And um, it's going to pay off for us. Yeah. All right, so you're hitting 291, 16 homers, which ties. It's amazing that that only is for a tie. It tells you a little bit <laughs> about uh, how your team has been this year, no doubt about that. 16 home runs, 54 runs driven in i mean your 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 team's offense do you feel like 
that you guys have a pretty good opportunity in every game to go out there and, you know, put some runs on the board in support of your pitching staff? Yeah, definitely. I think our offense is just absolutely lethal, uh, one through nine, and especially when we're just sticking to our approaches and just trying to focus on our, our, on our jobs. Um, we can get in trouble a little bit when uh, we get guys that are trying to do too much. I know that I've been there for sure. But um, when we're doing our jobs and just focusing on uh, passing it to the next guy and, and just working as a unit, uh, that's is you know, taking a look at the flip side of that, too, you have to feel like that pitching staff, which you're a part of, too, but that weekend rotation is giving you guys a pretty good opportunity in every game to go out there and get a win also. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's another thing that we've we've uh, learned uh, as, a, as a staff is just trying to execute our pitches. It's it's uh, You can't go out there and just try to like strike everybody out. It's we got a defense that's that's working behind us. Or they're uh, they know a pitch is coming. Basically, uh, we got our coaches moving, talking every single pitch, uh, moving guys around. So as a staff, it's it's more of you know just executing a pitch, uh, hitting a spot. It's not about throwing like 97 miles an hour. It's about just commanding uh, your your um, your stuff, not trying to do too much and. Uh, just trusting the guys around you. Talking to Matt Lloyd of the Indiana Hoosiers, his team winning a Big Ten regular season championship on their way to Omaha for the week to take on seven others from the league. What did you think about the league this year? Uh, you know, it, it seemed pretty deep. And, man, you take on Iowa in, in game one, and it's like, I mean, the, the Hawkeyes had a pretty darn good season. That is a pretty difficult round one opponent. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. They're playing good baseball right now. Um, I think the, the Big Ten is definitely um, getting better. And, you know, you see that in, in the last two weekends. It's like there were, I think, what was it, three or four different teams that had a chance to win. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. yeah so it's mm-hmm. like really tight this year. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a good tournament. Yeah. Two or three teams that had a chance, a good chance to win at the end. And then, you know, several other of those teams down at the, uh, the the middle bottom of the Big Ten fighting for those last couple of spots and, you know, coming through there as well. All right, so, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about your versatility, your pitch, you hit. So what's the – if you could uh, win the Big Ten tournament this week, would you rather you be in a position to win it at the plate or you be in a position to win it on the mound? Which Which do you prefer? That's a really tough question. Because <laughs> uh, either way, we're winning, right? So, yeah, there you go. Um, I would say on the mound, so that we can, you know, get that last out dog pile right, right on the right on the field there. Yeah, would be my yeah. Pre- preference, I guess. But yeah, we'll I think see what you, happens for sure. You correctly pointed out that either way in that scenario, you, you guys are winning. So <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure it matters either way. So I was reading a yeah. story about you. Uh, earlier you know about you know coming off of last season you had a very good season last year and and then didn't get drafted how much motivation did that provide you uh, going into this year to you know maybe prove some people who were still doubting your ability wrong um yeah that was huge it was just coming in the fall taking the summer off just absolutely hungry to to get better and um 
talked with Mercer in the summer about what we need to do and um, just really attacked it and, you know, worked my tail off. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just awesome to have a staff like that come in and work with me and understand, you know, what I went through and, um, and just being able to attack like a game plan with them and uh, just know that, that it's going to pay off and just trust them. Yeah. I mean, you're a, a, a native of Alberta, Canada, had to go the, the junior college route there, at least until you got to Indiana. Have you always had to, uh, had to prove sort of your own path or, or pave your own path a little bit? And, and is that always been something that's been a pretty big motivation for you? Yeah, a little bit. It's when I was in high school, I played for the Okotoks Dogs, and they did a great job, you know, getting me seen, getting all their players seen. Yeah. And um, we got guys all over the country now from that high school program. And um, so that was really, really helpful for me. And then going out of Western is obviously just um, kind of like a like a spotlight, I would say, for Division One um, recruiting. So as far as that went, it was. It was, it was a great opportunity for me to get seen through uh, through Iowa Western, and yeah. Um, yeah, they did a great job of, of getting guys to the next level. All right. All right. So last year ended with you guys in the NCAA tournament and, and just so close to, to making a super regional. Uh, how 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 did that season leave you guys? I would imagine both with a a feeling of accomplishment, but one also of a, a little bit of a bitter taste too, that you came close. So how right. big, how big a motivation was that in the off season? Um, it was pretty, it's pretty big. I'd say um, it's a great learning experience for us. We have a, a lot of guys that were um, big roles on that team last year that are also very big roles this year. And a lot of us know what it felt like to, to come up short and, um. Yeah. Uh, none of us want to feel that again, and and we're gonna take that that feeling into um into the regional and and use that as a, a little bit of a motivation for us. Yeah. To uh to not feel that again. Yeah. All right. Well, Matt. Hey, appreciate the time. Best of luck in Omaha. Should be a great tournament this week and and into the weekend. And uh, hopefully, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it. That is Matt Lloyd. Senior with the Indiana Hoosiers, the victorious Hoosiers winning a Big Ten regular season championship. They move on to Omaha to play in the Big Ten tournament first round against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more here in just a moment on the Big Baseball Podcast. And thanks to Matt Lloyd for coming on the program. Our first player interview on the podcast. He helped his Indiana Hoosiers to a Big Ten regular season crown. Now we'll take on the field at the Big Ten tournament starting on Wednesday in Omaha. Let's hit our lineup. Drew, talk about the nine things that we're taking a look at as we get set for the Big Ten tournament. Let's start with Indiana. You know, that offense that's led by Lloyd and others has 90 home runs this season. That leads the Big Ten, obviously, and is number one in the NCAA as well. Now, the Hoosiers, from a average point of view, don't do quite as well. 257, which isn't bad, but isn't at the top or the top of the Big Ten uh, either. But here's my question. Does the Jeff Mercer strategy, going all out for the long ball, does it hold up? 
against really good pitching, which the Hoosiers will face at times here during the Big Ten tournament. They will certainly face it then in the regional. And if the quest is, and it is, to get to the Super Regional, which they came within an eyelash of doing last season, uh, can they play a small ball type game if they get into that, into a pitcher's duel a little bit, or do they have to smash the ball to get victories? I, I think that's something to watch with this Indiana team. Yeah, I think you look at a couple things. I think you look at IU's pitching staff, too. They're no slouch. They're third yeah. in the Big Ten in the ERA. They've got, uh, you know, Milto, Gordon, Saul Frank it leads the – or uh, sorry, is second in the Big Ten in, in strikeouts. Um, so you look at how well they're pitching, and if they can hold, you know, the opponents to just a couple runs, I think IU can play a little bit of small ball. Uh, but I think the big thing is – IU's offense is so explosive, it can be explosive in a very short amount of time. For example, game three against Rutgers, they're held hitless until the fourth inning, and then all of a sudden they score 13 runs. So the objective is, you know, don't care how much you strike out in those first five games. If you work the count and you get that pitcher to make mistakes, he'll make mistakes eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, even good pitchers going to make mistakes eventually, and if that's in the sixth or seventh inning, who cares? Right. Uh, you know, IU can just open the floodgates and, and, and score a lot of runs in a short amount of time. So I think that's kind of what they hope for against this good pitching, especially if the small ball uh, strategy doesn't work for them. All right, let's hit topic number two. And I assume about the time that you are listening to this podcast, these uh, will be announced. Uh, so, but we'll, we'll talk, you know, players, coach of the year, sort of what our thoughts are. Uh, those will be announced before the start by the Big Ten of the Big Ten tournament. You know, I think Dominic Canzone gives himself with his team getting in to the Big Ten tournament an opportunity to get player of the year. Lloyd will be in that conversation. Jordan Brewer as well. Uh, there are probably a couple of others in there also. You have any thoughts maybe on, on who you think ultimately gets that award? Yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you got to give it to Canzone uh, for Ohio State. Uh, you know, he one no, regardless of of the stats that he is, you know, first or third in, and all the Big Ten, he has reached base safely now in fifty one straight games uh, <laughs> for Ohio State. That's all, but I, I don't have it in front of me right now. It's all but like the first four games of the season, or maybe the first three games of the season. Yeah, uh, so consistency is, is 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 really key with Canzone. He's been consistent all season. So I think the Big Ten's going to go in that direction, although, uh, as you mentioned, there's a few guys who, who they could go with as well. Jeff Mercer will be the coach of the year. That seems uh, almost inevitable. First-year coach, he takes the Hoosiers to the title. All right, here's my question. Who gets pitcher? Who? I mean, if yeah. you look at these, these numbers – like even you know Trent Johnson from Purdue is not going to win Big Ten Pitcher of the Year, but you you look at his uh, numbers within the Big Ten, you know nine appearances. He he was out of the bullpen for the first few weeks, then got four starts at the end of the year, one and one with a one point six seven ERA. So you know Tevin Murray for Rutgers a starter, uh, his ERA is under two, but it, it was Rutgers who doesn't make the tournament. Uh, you know Andrew uh, Magno who we saw. An extended relief. I don't think. I don't think the Big Ten uh, goes that direction. 
you know, Jeff Criswell is the third starter for Michigan, but has the best numbers, yeah. perhaps had an option. My, my point here is that in a lot of years, you could sit here and say this is the clear guy. And it was, eh, there was some, I guess there was some dissension last year uh, with Patrick Fredrickson. But for the most part, I think a lot of people uh, agreed that he was, he was the guy. Uh, this year, maybe not as clear cut. What direction do you go here? Yeah, I think, I think part of the issue here is the guys at the beginning of the season who were really dominant weren't so dominant down the stretch. Like the Michigan guys, you've got Henry and Kaufman who were just uh, you know unstoppable at the beginning of the season, who aren't so much now, still pitching well, but are they pitching well enough to be Big Ten Pitcher of the Year? I think that's the big question. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got guys... You know, like like I'll bring up Seth Lonsway for Ohio State. He's won two straight Big Ten Pitcher of the Weeks now. Currently, he's won three on the entire season. Nobody else can say that. But his ERA isn't in the top ten in right. the Big Ten. Uh, but he's got a ton of strikeouts. He struck out 110 on the season. That leads the Big Ten. So I think you've got some pitchers who are really good in some areas and not so good in other areas which makes it a hard decision to make. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see uh, who picks up that award. Okay, let's break down over our next four spots in our lineup, the four games for the opener of the uh, Big Ten tournament at TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha. Let's just go, go in order in terms of seeds. So Indiana taking on Iowa, the Hoosiers in early uh Early on in the Big Ten season, I think the first weekend, right, in late March, uh, the Hoosiers swept Iowa, uh, and and now Iowa comes into this game having lost four straight as well. Any chance the Hawkeyes here put up a fight? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not with not with the things things been going recently. You know, Iowa was in the NCAA tournament. We yeah. called them sneaky good three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Uh, but series losses to, to Michigan State and now Maryland have just put a huge question mark next to their name. And now they've got to go up against IU. They've put themselves in a position here to, to go against the one seed in game number one. And I'm not sure that they have enough uh, to stop the IU offense uh, to win this first game and, and try to make a run here. Yeah, the outlook certainly has changed for Iowa. Topic number four, the second game uh Michigan and Ohio State, that's the two versus the seven. Ohio State actually won two of the three games in mid-April in Columbus in this rivalry game early on in the Big Ten tournament. So uh, could be a good one here again. And one team that's fading a little bit against one team that's surging a little bit. And the seeds are opposite of what you would think they would be with those uh, those facts, right? I mean, Michigan's the two but yeah. fading. Ohio State is the seven but surging. And this has been Ohio State's story this season. They have uh, shown up and played well for stretches during the season, and then they've faded throughout the season, back and forth, a little bit of inconsistency. So my question to Ohio State would be, which team is going to show up? Is it the team that just played Purdue and yeah. hit 10 home runs? Uh, or is it the team that, that lost you know five or six straight throughout the season? Can you know, they've got a really young pitching staff, but they are really good. So can do they have the experience? Can they come up in big games with uh, Burhan, Lonsway, and, and Griffin Smith? Can they come up in these big games 
to, to pitch their way through and make a run here. I think they can. I think they've got great pitching. I think they've, they can hit the ball when they are on. Uh, so I think they're certainly a team to watch through this tournament. Topic number five, uh, number three, Illinois versus number six, Maryland. Another series in which the lower seed won two of three during the regular season. The Terps won two of three at Illinois in the first weekend of April. So the Terps are surging here a little bit and should be, uh, assuming everyone goes with, you know, their typical rotation here, should be a good, you know, game one pitching matchup between these two teams. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit in the middle of the season, how Maryland is really good on Fridays because of Hunter Parsons. Uh, so this will be a great matchup with Andy Fisher and, and Hunter Parsons matching up. Uh, Illinois has been playing really, really well. Uh, we've talked a lot about their struggles at the beginning of the Big Ten season, but they are 8-2 and two in May. Uh, they won six straight series uh, in the Big Ten uh, now. So uh, I think you kind of, for this series, for this specific game I think you kind of forget about everything else and just focus on the pitching matchup and which one of those two guys is going to step up for their team team and have a great one at number six in our lineup number four Minnesota against number five Nebraska that's a uh, round one matchup the Gophers won two of three at Minnesota during the regular season Nebraska will have the opportunity to be playing in front of a a big uh, what home would you call it uh, crowd yeah. there in Omaha. The Cornhuskers missed the tournament last year. Uh, we'll be back in it this year, so you'd think the fans will show up uh, to watch uh, the Huskers play a little bit. But I, I think this is an intriguing, you know, as it should be at 4-5. Yeah, I agree. Nebraska, you know, just got done with Michigan. Uh, they win two of three, so they've got some confidence now. They're playing, you know, like you said, almost at home here. Uh and after missing the season last year, I, I feel like you know they needed to have a big season here, and they still need to have a big season. They are absolutely not done yet, uh, and this first game is going to go uh, a ways to see if they can make a run at the championship here. Uh, and I think that the, you know they've got a tough matchup here in game number one against uh, probably Max Meyer, um, uh, but uh, I think they should be able to get it done against against Minnesota, who's been up and down this season a little bit, and uh, hopefully make a run at home. Let's talk uh, the bottom four seeds with topic number seven in that which of those four, the five through eight seeds, has the best chance to make a run? I think Nebraska could be a possibility there because I think the Cornhuskers can get hot at the plate. They're a deep team. They've got a lot of weapons. Now, will the pitching hold up for the whole week? I I think that's uh, an interesting question. But, man, if those bats get hot, uh, I think Nebraska, you know, could make a little bit of a run. And I think we both agree, Drew, on Ohio State after having seen the Buckeyes in Alexander for three games over the weekend. Yeah, maybe a little recency bias there because, you know, we just watched them and and watched them play really well. But um, I'm really intrigued uh, by the young pitching staff, Lonsley, with the with the two straight Big Ten pitcher of the of the weeks. I, I don't think he's going to be able to get beat right now. Uh, Ohio State seven and one in their last eight games. You talk about and specifically in these tournaments, uh, you know the teams that are playing well right now mm-hmm. uh, are the teams that that kind of have a good chance to make a run. And I think Ohio State is definitely one of those teams. All right, NCAA resume time, Drew. It wasn't all that long ago that we were talking about four or five in from the Big Ten. And now as you look at it, I yeah. I think it's 
it's three, and then maybe there's a bubble team there, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think you've got Illinois, who sets uh, at number 22 in the RPI. Uh, they're in. Uh, you've got Indiana at number 30 in the RPI and Nebraska at 35 in the RPI. So I think we're looking at those three teams. Following them, you've got Michigan at 48, Minnesota 66, Maryland 71, and Iowa at 98. Uh, With Iowa, it's crazy to consider that Iowa has to win the Big Ten tournament. They do. Yeah, Iowa has dropped – you know, we mentioned that we, we talked about Iowa just a few weeks ago. They only had like 16 losses on the season. They were in, and a lot of the projections that that uh, some publications were doing ac- across the country, they were in, and they have dropped 42 spots to the RPI in just three weeks. Uh, they were 56 uh, at the beginning of of May here in the RPA, and now they're all the way down to 98. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was, that's crazy. I, I thought Iowa was really surging there, and then all of a sudden, the 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 uh, blanket just got ripped out from underneath them there, basically. And and now they have to win their way in. It seems like. I mean, by win their way, in, I'm saying they got to win the whole thing. I think uh, yeah. to get now into the NCAA tournament. All right, topic number nine. What you watching? Well, uh, I'm going to be watching the whole thing, most likely. <laughs> right. But uh, I wish I was there. Uh, but unfortunately, Purdue uh, didn't uh, didn't make it into the field uh, this year. What am I watching? You know, I, I like that Ohio State-Michigan matchup in game one. I'm really curious to see whether the Buckeyes can keep up, you know, what they were able to do. You know, a couple of those teams that had to play to get in, I think that's that's interesting to watch, right? The, the Maryland-Ohio States, yeah. they had to win to get in. Does that momentum keep up then? on Wednesday, and can they, you know, strike a blow to a couple of teams that are higher-seeded? What are you watching? Uh, this first round is, is so fun to watch because of the pitching matches matchups, in, in my opinion. You've got really good pitching against really good pitching and so much to play for with all these teams. Uh, so I think those, uh, if, you're a, if you're a fan of pitching and defense, I think those games are really fun to watch. Uh, another thing is, is can Michigan make a run here in this, tournament to try to work themselves back into the NCAA tournament. They they yeah. need victories against good teams. That's what Michigan needs. Their strength of schedule right now is 173. They need victories against good teams. And if they make a run here in this Big Ten tournament, they could get just that, and they could find themselves back in the tournament. Probably a bubble team right now. They could find themselves back in the tournament, and they'll be playing for that, certainly. All right, man. Uh, enjoy the rest of your vacation, which is unfortunately not in Omaha. I'm not sure who the decision-maker yeah. is over there. Uh, but we do thank you Obviously for— Obviously not me. Yeah, we do thank you for uh, taking time out from the vacation to do a little bit of work for a job on this podcast that you don't actually get paid for. So uh, we do appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> All right, man. Been yeah, a good run. Should be a good week in Omaha. Yeah, very fun. All right, uh, that'll do it for our podcast for this week. We'd like to thank everybody again uh, for tuning in and being with us uh, all season long. And thanks to Indiana senior Matt Lloyd as well for coming on the podcast. All right, that'll do it for us. For Drew Charters, I'm Kyle Charters. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. You're out!